Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. Do me a favor. Would you grab your Bibles? I want you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be doing a study on the book of Luke in the chapter 15. We're going to take some time to be able to unpack some of the truths that I believe that Jesus has stored up inside of there. Here's what I believe. We've taken weeks upon weeks upon weeks upon weeks. I feel like the entire summer we've taught you who is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that resides inside of you, that John chapter 7 says that out of your mouth will flow rivers of living water, that that was Jesus who talked about it. Then in Acts chapter 2, we see this baptism with the Holy Ghost, where we see what happened and the effects of what happens. But then immediately after that, in Acts chapter 4, the very same people that were baptized in the Holy Ghost were actually baptized again. And how we see that there is this indwelling, but it's for you to be filled. And then it said they began to preach the word with boldness and began to prophesy so not only is it for you to be filled for boldness to come inside of you but for something to be spilled out of you and we've talked about the gifts of the spirit how they're relegated to these three different areas the power gifts the gifts of healing the gifts of working of miracles the gift of faith the gift of revelation where you think like God the word of wisdom the word of knowledge and the discerning of spirits and then there's the inspiration gifts or, or the speaking gifts where you begin to speak like God which is the word of prophecy encouragement edification and comfort and then tongues and interpretation of tongues and we talked about how all of these things are placed on the church for the edification of the church meaning for the church to be built up that God has given us all of these things and the gasoline that drives these things is called spiritual authority and how our spiritual authority how it's developed so how you grow because many times we hear about these gifts and we think that they're just positional we believe that Nunzi she can sing very well so I can't sing So my gift, I can't do nothing with that. So I'm going to leave that to Nunzi. And we apply that to the gifts of the spirit. When in reality, the Bible says that it is given for each person. He begins in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 by saying, don't be ignorant. Don't be without knowledge. Don't be without knowledge. This gift is available for you. The reason why is because we need you to be active. That was Jesus's words. I want you to go out and make disciples of all nations. We got a job and a responsibility. Spiritual authority, the gasoline, how we operate in these things, it's rooted in your identity. It's expanded in your intimacy with God and it's activated ultimately by faith. So now we got all of this stuff, what do we do? That's what I'm hoping over the next few weeks that I can share with you. We're gonna start a brand new series today called Plus One. Now, plus one, I think in this season, there's been a lot of negative ones. (laughs) I see a lot of negative ones that have been happening at workplaces. They have been happening in families because of the division that the enemy has placed inside, whether because of political or ideology or thoughts, the family unit has been split up. There's so many things that are subtracting that I believe as the church of Jesus Christ with the things that he's given us. We also have the authority to be able to step into a season where we can add to the kingdom, not subtract from it. So plus one is going to be happening over the next few weeks and we're going to be unpacking this thing. And this little clicking Marshall is getting on my last nerve. Can you give me a microphone HH1 please? Um, We got to fix this. We got to do something about this. Um, So plus one is going to be a study on the book of Luke chapter 15. What's the book of Luke? Here's what's happening. Jesus has made this story or this illustration on how me and you are supposed to reach people. The the responsibility that he's given to believers. Check. Check. One, two. You hear me? Beautiful. Can you get me there? Okay. You hear me? Everybody hears me? Okay. Awesome. The responsibility that is given to believers. That we have a job. What has happened though is that we begin sometimes, and I'm going to explain it in just a second, we lose focus of what it is that Jesus has originally told us. Our responsibility, our job is not to come to church and just punch a card. It's not to just read your Bible. It's not to just pray. There's action. Those things, they come from a relationship with God. They don't make you good with God. They come from the fact that you're already good with God. But that's not what your religion or your Christianity is relegated to. No, there's actually energy that's expended from a believer because there's a responsibility and an assignment that God has placed on each and every one of you not leaders not just a pastor but on everybody 
And now while you look at me with that face and say, okay, but what, I'm not supposed to read my Bible? Yes, read your Bible, bro. Come on, man. Yes, pray. Absolutely. Yes, lean into God. But when you filled yourself up with all these things, don't come back on Sunday again to be filled up. Don't go back on Monday and get yourself filled up again. Read your Bible. Fill yourself up. But begin to spill yourself out. Because there is a world that though the numbers, <laughs> what's funny is that though there is heart disease that's killing people at number one, at number two, there is cancer that's killing people, double the numbers of number three, which is COVID, and then right under COVID, suicide. We're living in a space right now where social distancing has created that we've never used that word we use physical distancing that's why your chairs are separated that's why we've we've obeyed and we've walked along some of the guidelines we're not dumb we're not going to sit here and just mismanage your health we do things according to what God has told us and according to the wisdom that he has given us but what happens though is that we completely forget that people right now are so broken and so hurting right now that social distancing they found themselves so far from people somebody that can tell them turn your laptop off at three o'clock in the morning and stop watching pornography somebody that could walk alongside of him and say I know that he hurt you but we're gonna get through this together and people are feeling so lonely in this season and the church of Jesus Christ is sitting there worrying about what the world is doing when the Bible says that the gates of hell will not prevail I I've never known of gates moving forward gates have always been stationary and created for defense so if the gates of hell cannot prevail, that means that the church of Jesus Christ should be actively marching forward. That's what plus one is going to be about. The idea, the instruction, and the training on how to continue to move forward and take ground for the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Luke chapter 15 verses 1 through 7 says, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. All the tax collectors and the sinners... All the tax collectors, the bad guys, and the sinners, the even badder guys. They drew near to hear him, Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes, as part of the, the religious few, started complaining. Saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, two groups, here it is. One group of religious people saying, this person next to me is dressed in an identity that doesn't belong to them. This person next to me smells like a, an illegal substance. <laughs> this person next to me is using foul language. And these people don't belong in church. And then there's another side of people that say, I don't belong in church. Man, I've done so many bad things. I, I, I walked in the door. I'm just waiting for lightning to bust this thing wide open and just completely kill everybody. Fire is going to come out here because I walked in the church house. And for some of us, we're watching online right now and we wouldn't dare step foot in the holy house of God because we feel like if we go there, everything is going to break. The, the Lord is going to kill you and strike you dead. Here is two groups that Jesus is talking to. He's talking to the religious Pharisees and the scribes, but he's also talking to the tax collectors and the sinners. I want you to keep that in mind because look at what he says. So he spoke this parable to, him, to them saying, what man of you have a hundred sheep and if he loses one of them, does he not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Hey, over the next few minutes, I'm hoping that you're taking notes. I want to preach to you from this idea or from this topic, in the waves, in the waves. Come on, would you pray with me? Dear King, we love you and we thank you, Lord. We see the example, Lord Jesus, of how it is that you were sitting there speaking to religious leaders, Lord. Men and women who were saying that you shouldn't be hanging around with sinners, Lord God, and tax collectors. We see your heart, Lord God, which is for them. But Father, we also see that you have a heart for those religious leaders. My hope and my desire, Lord God, over the next few weeks is that you would 
break these spiritual, religious uh, doctrines and legalism, Lord, over the lives of believers, Lord, that you would awaken inside of us and understand that what breaks your heart is our assignment and our responsibility, Lord, that you would wake up the church of Jesus Christ, not to look at people as broken, as Democrat, Republican, as black or white, Lord, but that we would see them as souls that need a savior, Lord. Father, break the hearts of the religious leaders, of the men and women who have called on your name. And I pray, Father, for those who are far from you, Lord, I pray that you would demolish the plan of the enemy that has stopped up their ears, Lord God, so that they don't hear you, Lord. And I pray, Father, that you would remove the scales from their eye, that even if they have heard the name Jesus, I pray today that they would see Jesus and that their lives, Lord God, would be submitted to you. I pray, Father, not for an eloquent speech, well put together sermon with high intensity and low lows, but I pray that your spirit would be present, Lord, engaged, Lord, and drawing men unto yourself, Lord. John 3.30, Lord, let me decrease that you may increase. It's in your beautiful and matchless name that we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, would you put your hands together if you believe that Jesus has a word for you? Come on, would you put your hands together all over this place? Amen. In the waves, in the waves. I feel like there's so many things that we use as Christians and we tend to forget in such an easy moment. I was with my mom a few months ago and my mom, for those of you that, that you know, have been kind of along the journey, she's still in the hospital. It's been about four or five months now. And um, thank God she's, she's doing better little by little. And she's at a, a rehabilitation center. And we're coming up to the end of that rehabilitation center time, which we have to figure out what we're going to do. But my mom is, she's, she's okay. But what was crazy was that during the height of her, like when she, she had a blood disease that was really bad. And when she had that blood disease, like she had to be intubated, all her body, her organs started shutting down. It, it just got really scary there for a second. And I remember that I was with her in the bed. I flew down to Miami immediately and I was with her next to the bed. And the nurse said something to me that, I mean, it just, I, I mean, it rocked me to this very day. I still even think that way. Well, you know, when people say something to you and then you like, you remember it so much that you actually apply it to your life, which should happen every Sunday. But what happened is that my mom is sitting there and she's intubated and the nurse is on the other side. I could draw the moment for you. And the nurse turns to me and she says, Hey, what time is it? And I say, oh, it's 12 o'clock. And she's like, oh, okay, thank you. I say, well, it's 11.58, but it's the same thing. Yo, she looked at me with this face. She turned around. She said, no, it's not. And for our medical workers, obviously, for my friends who are in that field, whether you're a nurse or a doctor, we love you and we thank you. Um, for many of our military men and women who are in this place that understand that everything can change in a second. She said, in two minutes? She said, everything could go wrong in two minutes. She's like, two minutes is an eternity for us. I've never, I've never understood it or seen it in that magnitude. Why? Because my life is filled with so much stuff that two minutes, I feel like goes, I don't have the same 24 hours that everybody else has. My wife hates when I say that. I feel like I wake up at four o'clock in the morning, five o'clock in the morning, I'm praying. And before you know it, it's already eight o'clock at night. And I'm sitting here trying to intelligently speak to my children and try to lead them to the Lord. Hallelujah. That's a lie. I'm probably watching TV. Oh my God, what a pastor. <laughs> Yo, but in two, two minutes, everything can change. When she said that to me, I started thinking about it. I was like, yo, how fast things change. How crazy is it that Jesus has come onto this earth and he has lived three years with the disciples and they've watched miracles, signs, and wonders. The blind eyes have been opened. Ears have been opened up. The dead things have come back to life. Not only has he done things in the physical, but he has actually sp sp spoke into the spiritual and he actually redeemed us. Those of us that were far from God, our souls were broken. Our spirits were lost, meaning that they would be eternally separated from God. Jesus has come. He has lived a sinless life. He died for our sins. In exchange for taking our sins, he has given us his righteousness. I mean, just beautiful stuff. And at the very end of his ministry, he speaks to the disciples and he gives them a commandment. We, we call it the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We've entirely set up our church around that. Our mission at Greater Church is to reach and empower all people towards a relationship with Jesus. The towards a relationship with Jesus, I'll show you in just a second. But the reaching and empowering, that's what Jesus talked about for every single believer. 
He said in, John, in Acts chapter 4, he said, and these things, the promise of the Holy Spirit, so that we can be activated for the work of the ministry, these things are for you, for your children, and for those that are far off, meaning that that's me and that's you. In John chapter 17, Jesus is praying for the disciples and he shifts lanes and he says, not only am I praying for you, but I'm also praying for the ones that come after you, that will believe because of the word that you have spoken, meaning me and you. That we're a product, for those of us that called on the name of Jesus, that we're a product of the not only the discipline, but the sacrifice of the disciples. That every single one of them, even Judas who hung himself, he understood that Jesus was real and it caused them to action. But every one of the disciples, including John, who didn't die a martyr, but he was burned in an oil. Every single one of them was cut in half. They were pierced stripped, beaten, broken, every single one of them. And not one of them ever said, yo, stop, I'm just kidding. I don't know Jesus. Like, I don't know him. No, no, I was just kidding. <laughs> That's a joke. Ah, joke's on you. Let me go. None of them. They all went and died a martyr's death. What's crazy is that as you continue to see the lineage, the legacy of those men and women, you can read through prophecies and different things that have happened but you can even go into your history books and you can see how Christians because of their faith were thrown into coliseums how they were eaten by animals I mean destroyed and ripped apart you can see in different countries fast forward the tape in 2021 you can go on YouTube and you can watch some of the horrific things that have not just happened in the last 10 years but that are happening on a regular basis. You can look across the water and see individuals who have called on the name of Jesus, have forsaken everything, eliminated from their family, excommunicated from their family, but they're still preaching the gospel. They're still doing the very thing that Jesus said. Jesus didn't say change people. Jesus didn't say, make sure that they stop doing everything. That's a product of it. Jesus said, I want you to preach the gospel because the gospel is the only one that has the power to save. Preach that Jesus came down, lived a sinless life, died for your sins, three days later resurrected to bring you life that salvation can only be found in the name of Jesus. Yo, he's given us a commandment, but he's also giving us this commission. The word commission means to be sent out with power and authority. This is what the church, I believe, has strayed so far away from. We've turned it into this consumerism where it's like, speak to me, preacher. Like, talk to me. Give me a good word. Give me, give me, how do I get money? I want to get money. I want to have a lot of sex. <laughs> Praise the Lord. How, how, preacher, talk to me right now because I, I want all these things to fill me up. I, I want to be able to do all of these great things. Like, give me, I want a car. I want to, and let me tell you something. Here at the church, I don't want you to get it wrong. Here at the church, we believe in the prosperity message. We preach the prosperity message. Here, we believe God wants to give you a house. He wants to give you a car. He wants to give you everything that you desire. Yo, you want a diamond ring? He'll give you a diamond ring. If you are with Greater Church and you understand who we are, then you know we're about the prosperity message. We know that it's four words. And if you're here and you've been here for a while, you know what those four letters are. It's W-O-R-K. You want a ring? Go work for it. You want a house? Go get a job. Work hard. Get promoted. Save your money. Don't spend it on frivolous things. And you'll watch how you're able to buy your own house, buy your own car. God has given you the wisdom. God is not just going to give you stuff just so you can sit there and say, Lord, give it to me. Like, like he's some type of little fairy. You, you want something and you want prosperity, you work hard for that stuff. You don't got to work hard for salvation. Salvation belongs to you. God has given you that. But now he's giving you a commandment and a commission. And as a church of Jesus Christ, I feel like we've kind of taken the seat back a little bit. Like we've just kind of sat there and we're like, well, COVID doesn't let you do anything. But dang, I watched a boxing match last night. They had like 100 million people. No masks. I go to Walmart. I'm sorry. I'm too. Is, is it too hard, Alfonso? It's maybe too hard. I go to Walmart and everybody's out at Walmart. The, the Braves are in the playoffs right now. Everybody's at the Braves. Hallelujah! Yeah, let's go. You're so legalistic, Chino. No, I'm not legalistic. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings or like, oh my God, he's being so weird. I'm never coming back to this church. Yo, listen, that's not my heart and my intent. I'm trying to spur you on, because as we are sitting here, lazadaisical, as we are kind of sitting back and just allowing for life to happen to us, there are people who are dying. There are people who are so hurt and so lost that they feel that there is no hope. And God has given you that hope. If you've called on the name of Jesus at that very moment, you have not only a responsibility, but the ability. A couple of weeks ago, I talked to you about this demon-possessed man. 6,000 demons were inside of him. Jesus set him free in a split second. This man says, I want to get in the boat with you, Jesus. Mark chapter 5. And Jesus says to him, no, bro. 
You can't get in the boat with me. I want you to go to Decapolis and I want you to tell your family and friends of all that God has done to you. Listen to this. This man, his field, yo, he killed people. He hurt people. He had chains. Like, they couldn't even bind this guy. Like, I mean, he was around tombs. He tried to hurt himself. He was an absolute disaster. And yet, the moment that he gets saved, he comes to say, Jesus, I want to get in the boat with you. And Jesus says, no, I want you to go tell what has happened to you. And this man became an evangelist. Ten different cities. Decapolis is not one city. Decapolis isn't like saying Hialeah, the greatest city on earth. Decapolis is saying, this is saying like a region. I want you to go to Cobb County. Meaning I want you to go to Marietta, to Woodstock. Well, I think that's Cherokee. But all of the different cities that are found inside of that area. This is where Jesus tells this man to go. And this man is historically known as an evangelist. Yo, he was filled with demons. He didn't go through seminary or Bible college. He didn't come to church. He didn't give his tithes. He didn't walk up to the altar. He didn't know what the latest Hillsong song was. He didn't listen to Maverick City music. This man had just been demon possessed on the other side of it in seconds. This man is sent into ministry. Yo, we got a responsibility that our insecurities, our fears, the things that, that we feel like, I can't do that. I don't know how to talk to people. You can talk to people when you know what you're talking to them about. So when we look at scripture, I see three things that have happened in this story that Jesus is talking about. He says to the religious leaders speaking to them first and foremost, because they're worried about Jesus hanging out with sinners. And he turns to them and he tells them, I want to tell you a story. He says, how many of you have a hundred sheep? And if one of them leaves, would you not leave the 99 to go after that one, chase after them until you find them? And when you find them, you will bring them back to the fold. You're going to call your friends and your family and you're going to throw a party and you're going to celebrate because that which was lost is not found, is now found. I, over the next few minutes, I got 10, 15 minutes that I'm going to speak to you. I want to show you three things that I was able to pull out of this scripture that I believe that we can take with us. Some of it is going to be, why are you in my business, pastor? Like, yo, like you don't, you don't got to speak to me like that. You don't even know me. But if you allow me to get in your business a little bit, just a little bit, I promise you that you're going to watch beautiful fruit come out of it. Number one, I want you to write this down because I believe that in this season, especially there is a chaos of comfort. There is a chaos that has happened because of comfort. For so many of us, I'm telling you, and I'm not, I'm, I'm I'm, man, I'm, we put the online and we try to do our best with the equipment that we have, the finances that we have to create a great product where people can actually engage with the sermon, where they can listen to it clearly. We try to do everything that we have. We have a team back there. Shout out to Don and Lydia and Marshall that are in the back. And Isaac, we love you. If you're watching online right now, Isaac, who does an amazing job. We're in the text chat. We're trying to create all of this to be able to ensure that you have safety. Because we do believe that COVID is a real thing. But for some of us, we got 14 vaccines. We didn't have COVID about three times already. And yet we still sitting at the house in our drawers because it's comfortable. I could just turn it on, watch it for a little bit. I'll watch Stephen Furtick, go check out TD Jakes for a little while, listen to Jason Peebles' message from last week, and I'm fine. But we tend to forget that there's a responsibility, that the Church of Jesus Christ, this isn't a club. And I know I'm speaking hard, and I love you. I got to. Because this isn't a club. This isn't just something that you come on on Sunday, sing your little three songs, hear a good message, and then you go home. My job and my responsibility is to fill you up so that you can get spilled out. But there's a chaos that has happened in the midst of comfort. There is this myth, right? And I, and I, I saw in different areas as I read it that this myth has turned, the people have debunked it. But, and I, and I kind of followed along with it, but then I saw a YouTube video of the myth actually happening, and it's the boiled frog. I don't know if you guys remember that from your college days, but the boiled frog, that said that if you boil a hot pan of water, that if you grab a frog and you throw it in there, that the frog will immediately jump out. But if you take that very same frog and you put it inside of a pan and you put the water in there, and you slowly start putting the heat up on this frog, that it will begin to accustom itself or its body temperature, it will begin to assimilate or, or begin to move, stay in the same spot, sorry, where it'll actually start elevating its, its actual uh, body temperature. And then it gets to the point that when you can bring it up to a rolling boil, that this frog will have no clue that that's happening and that it ultimately will die. We killed enough frogs in school. We know about that. Cut little buddy up. In Jesus' name right now. <laughs> so I watched somebody boil a frog. Don't judge me, bro. Stop. 
Don't judge me. You watch worse stuff on Facebook. But, but I watched this, and it broke my heart to watch the Church of Jesus Christ. Wow. That we're, we're, we're in this box, and we've allowed the heat to be turned up. That we've actually, not only have we accustomed ourselves to what our environments are, we're starting to look like our environments, wow. we're starting to sound like our environments, but we've gotten to this place where the purpose, the destiny, the things that God has put inside of our heart, it feels like it's kind of boiling away. And slowly but surely, I feel like the church of Jesus Christ has gotten into this comfort place, this comfort zone where we're so comfortable that it's just like, give me, feed me, and I want to be a fat sheep. And we forget that God has called us to be reproducers. See, my job as a pastor is to pastor you, is to shepherd you. Some of you, you have that gift inside of you. Some of you, you have that calling inside of you. Even as I'm speaking to you, there are some things that are shifting in your heart because there are some hurt and some damage that somebody with this microphone that looks just like me or maybe different than me has hurt you in such a way that it's actually taking you a couple of steps back, but there is a call over your life that God still has. There's a pastorate that is hanging over you that you're going to step into this role you hate the very reason you want to use the bathroom right now like Satan just mess with you you're like yeah I gotta go bathroom don't talk to me like that you don't know me so there's a call over your life there's something that God has actually placed inside of you because he actually wants you to step into that sphere but what happens is if you've allowed for Satan to boil you for so long and boil you that all of a sudden you're just in this comfort zone where it's just like yo I'm good bro I'm just a consumer like, I'm just here to receive. Man, I'm so broken and so messed up, Tino. I ain't trying to do nothing. Me too. <laughs> I ain't want to get up this morning to come talk to y'all. <laughs> My bed was hugging me. <laughs> My pillow was ever so softly just holding me. Sleep. <laughs> just, just loving on me. Yo, that doesn't mean that I don't have effort, pains, struggles. That, that doesn't mean that I don't have things in my heart that I have to deal with and mine out and that I have to get with God. That means that we're all in this space together, but that we can continue to move forward because there's an assignment, because there's things that God has put in our heart, in our hands, that we have to accomplish. But when we find ourselves so stuck in the chaos of comfort, we'll never step out of that comfort zone. I'm here. You know, I showed up to church. Isn't that good enough? I read my Bible last week. I did three chapters. I prayed every morning, Father, thank you. And every, every night, I, Father, thank you. I did enough. That guy asked me for $5. I gave him $10. I did, I've been doing good. There's still more. The disciples gave their very lives for the very thing that we live in comfort with. And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a chaos, I believe, that's in comfort. But then I also believe that there is, there is a virtue that belongs to value. Watch, I'll explain to you. Oh my God, it sounds so eloquent. I, I want to explain it to you. The reason why I gave them these titles is because I want you to see something. There's a chaos that has been formed that's all comfort. And it's created this chaos where so many people are broken, they're dying, and the church of Jesus Christ is just sitting back there and saying, yeah, I voted for this person. Yeah, I believe that this matters. And they're not ever speaking the truth of the word of God. But not only that, I believe that there is a virtue and value that we have completely lost. What does that mean? Virtue, that means that there's something good about it. There's something honorable. There's something beautiful about this. That I think it's important that we understand it. And what's happening is that because we've lost the virtue, the goodness of value, then we lose the people that God has put in our path. Because we begin to see people just as people and not as souls. We begin to see people just as random people. That's just a random person. But the Lord told you while you were sitting in your cubicle next to this person or you were across from them at a conference table, they are hurting and they are broken. Somebody has walked out of their life and I need you to step in and tell them that I'm still with them. God, that you crazy. I'm not saying that. I'm not. You're sitting at the Publix line and the person in front of you, you just know that they're struggling. There's this darkness over them and you're just like, I'm not telling them anything. I don't even know that person. I got to deal with my my own stuff i gotta deal with my own stuff it's funny because when we value things we actually take care of them when we value things and we actually understand what they're worth then we take care of them i've told this story a long time ago i don't know if you guys were present when i told this story but i used to have a i, I had a problem with sneakers for a very long time when you become a church planner right babe that all goes out the window because you ain't got no money but when i was young and me and my wife we didn't have all those kids that eat way too much and we had money 
I was buying sneakers. I was on, I was on bots and I, we, Lydia would have two laptops. I'd have a lot of time. I'm trying to get Jordans, all type of stuff because we have money. Remember those days, babe? Those are good days. Those are good days. I had, a, I had a problem. Why? Because when I was younger, I never had nothing. When I was younger, I didn't have shoes. I didn't have any of that stuff. I remember that me and Lydia, my mom gave me a pair of fake Jordans. <laughs> Don't judge me. When my mom gave me those pair of fake Jordans, I knew they were fake. So I was just kind of like, ah, whatever. And I would wear them and I would cut grass with them. Don, who was in the back, you remember Don, you used to cut grass with me in Miami. It was like 10 years ago. And we, I would go cut grass with them. I use them, play basketball. I didn't care about them. I creased them. I'd throw them. I barely washed them. I didn't care anything about them. I would just, eh, it didn't matter. And then one day by the sovereignty, hallelujah, and the glory of the Lord, I was able to get my hands on some real Jordans. Bro, you would think that junk was an idol. I would take the toothbrush every night. See, my wife, don't be hunting me too much. I would take the toothbrush, and I mean, I would just clean every single particle. I mean, yo, I would put them junks back in. I would grab the Jordans, and I would put them back in the box with the paper. I would make sure the paper was folded. Lydia would fold. That's not how you fold the paper. Move. I would put the paper under, and you got to, you know what I'm saying? Like, you had to make it sure it was good. And then I would save the box. I would take more care of the box than I did my kids. It was bad. <laughs> you know what was funny? was that that's the way that we treat the calling in our life. But not only the calling, but the people that God has surrounded with us. Because when I thought it was fake and it didn't have no value, I used it any which way, I could care less. But the moment that I had something that had value and I knew that it had value, I started to treat it differently. And what happens is that there is a virtue, there's a goodness in seeing what it is that God has placed in front of you, seeing the value inside of them. Not that they're broken, this kid smokes too much weed, she has sex with everybody, but understand that she is a child of God, that he is a child of God, that there is destiny, that there is purpose, that this person is just an evangelist, one conversation away from stepping into their ministry, into their destiny the things inside of them that you see broken they begin to completely take the exterior when you see them you judge them by their issues and now you're looking at them and you're like yeah, I don't I ain't dealing with that person and yo if I'm honest with you side note there's some people that you probably shouldn't deal with but that's another message go listen to the message last week or the week before but but if we understand the value if if you look at somebody right and if you're able to see them how God sees them, it changes the game. Nine times out of 10, we're too selfish though. Because you value your charger more than people. Nobody can touch my charger. I don't want nobody to touch my car. We value our house. We, we value possession sometimes more than people. Dang, this is a strong message. But it gotta be preached. I promise, give me two weeks. On plus one Sunday, I'm gonna preach a light, fluffy message for you. But yo, if we value people and we see them the way that God values them, it changes the way we approach them and it changes our interest in them because now we want to watch them. Yo, I've dedicated my life and I'm going to continue to dedicate my life to watching broken people who are hurting far from God, people who might not have the finances to build the church. They might not have the wisdom to be leaders to jump on a team. They might not be able to do all of the things that I need in my life to fill the holes in my life, but my job and my responsibility is to continue to pour out into them anyway because I want to watch God's best in their life. I'm not only talking about it, I'm dedicating my life to this every single day. Find value. There's a virtue in it because when you see things, It'll change your heart and it'll begin to help you to start loving on people at a different pace. I believe that there is a chaos that we're experiencing in comfort. There's a, a virtue that's found in value that we can actually understand it. But then I think that there is a, a journey that's so beautiful in the going. That there's actual things that we have that God has put inside of us that we actually have to do. See, here's what happens. The Bible says that there were 99 sheep. So he says that he left the 99, the story, the parable, he left the 99 to go look for the one. And what happens is that when there's a chaos of comfort, we find ourselves around the 99. That's enough. It's, a, it's, it's enough. Like, yo, it's excessive to go find that one. Let that one go. We got 99 more of them. But look at the love of God that he came and he chased after you regardless. Because you left the 99. You were that one before. And then he left the comfort of the 99 to actually, because what? He understood the virtue of value. He understands that you were valuable to him. Whether you produce one single thing or you don't, his love for you is still immense to the form that he died, resurrected, and gave you the keys to his kingdom. And I would 
wish y'all would understand that, bro. He actually thought about you and said in Corinthians that he who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin, the cross, so that you may become the righteousness of God. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, while we were still sinners, y'all was broken, messed up. In my worst moment, Jesus was at his best. He saved me in my most broken space. For some of y'all, most of y'all, y'all know my story. When I was eight years old, I became a gang member. I got arrested twice, kicked out of schools. I was a bad eight-year-old. I was completely inundated in the gang life. By the time I was 19 years old, I had been in jail 13 different times. My life was an absolute disaster. I had bullet holes in my body, my neck ripped open. That's not a hickey. I know some of y'all look at it, oh, your wife like you. That's not a hickey. That's a, that's a scar, bro. Like I, I've, I've experienced, I know you like me. I, that's, I've experienced life. When I was 19 years old, at a teenage age, I got sentenced to five years in prison. Those five years in prison absolutely rocked my life, changed me. Not only did I play sports, I began to do music, but God started using my broken, messed up self to actually begin to proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I actually started watching men and women, the craziest drug dealers on the compound, yes, they sell drugs in prison, were actually coming and crying in my arms because of situations that would happen to them. God started to use me, and the very thing that you see now, I ain't had no church mom. I didn't have a church daddy. Nobody read the Bible to me or taught me to pray. I was raised in witchcraft and in gang members. That's all I ever knew. But yo, isn't it crazy that God would take this low-life scumbag and move him from Miami, Florida, up here to Kennesaw, Ackworth, Georgia, that he would begin to use me to proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The journey hasn't been easy. Please understand it. But it was one that we said we're going to take it regardless of what it looks like because the comfort is filled with chaos because I understood that there were value in people. And though I was broken myself, God set me free. He changed me. He put me in ministry. And I That's the journey of going. That as you begin to take steps, you'll start watching God do some amazing things. Four quick things that you see when, when the guy, the, the story that Jesus was saying, and give me some spiritual music. I want to sound real spiritual right now. That motorcycle sounds good. Jesus is talking to the religious leaders. And he, they're saying, yo, you're hanging around with sinners. And he says, yeah, I hang around with sinners. How many of you don't have 100 sheep and you lose one and you don't leave the 99, you guys, to go save that one that got lost. Here's what it says. It says that when he finds him, will he not lay him on his shoulder? Laying him on his shoulder, that's a picture of salvation. I'm picking you up from the mess that you're in right now. I'm putting you on my shoulders. That's a picture of salvation. Or the way that we say here at Greater Church, it's helping people know God. Salvation super easy he puts them on his shoulder but then he says when he puts them on his shoulder he begins to walk with them home yo think about carrying a sheep like kevin it's you know strong guy tommy you too don't feel bad oh my god i do more push-ups than him whatever i don't care <laughs> imagine carrying a sheep bro from like walking for days and then you're like carrying a sheep and you know sheep are dumb so it's kicking and it's like i'll hit him with, just go to sleep and he just oh my god come on and he's walking with it this is what we call finding freedom. At Greater Church, we've established our entire system around this because carrying people, it takes work. That's why we have our G groups. Every single one of our G groups that have happened on Monday, we have our men's. On Tuesdays, we have our, our I don't even remember what we have. Our prayer. Oh my God, I'm the one that leads prayer. And on Wednesday, <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> Such a great pastor. On Wednesday, we have our women's. On Thursday, we're off. On Fridays, we have our, our youth, our young adults that meet at KSU. On Saturdays, we have our workout one. Listen to me. All of these things are to help people and carry them through seasons. For some of you, you need to carry people. And for some of you, you need to be carried. Watch this. The Bible says in James chapter 5, verse 16, confess your sins one to another. That means just get real with people. Yo, I'm hurting. The Bible says, confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. Isn't that crazy? That when you allow yourself to be carried, you begin to heal. That's why we created this idea of finding freedom. Not only do they lay them on the shoulders, they take them home. But then the Bible says, he calls all his friends and he prepares a dinner. And he prepares a party. And that's what growth track. Today, we're having growth track. Immediately after service, I'm going to be in there. Um, Mary's going to be in there. My wife is going to be in there. We're going to just talk to you about what we believe as a church. What's our vision? What's the identity that God has created us in? Where are we going together as a church? What do we believe? 
Like, what are the things that we see God doing in our own life? And where do we want to go? What's my story? What's Lydia's story? Like, that's what Growth Track is about. It's about discovering your purpose. Because when you're able to discover your dis design, you're able to see your destiny. And that's what number four is. The Bible says that not only do they prepare, but then they celebrate and they throw a party. Every single Sunday, whether you see it or not, we're meeting before Sundays. Sundays to us begin after the service and they go all the way into the service. We're having meetings, we're talking, we're preparing, we're setting up the chairs. We got these little fog sprayers when you leave and we're spraying all the chairs and disinfecting everything. And on a Saturday, it's like Jamal and Sherry who do an amazing job. They come and Jordan and Sierra and they come and they clean everything in here in the bathrooms and they take care of it. And so many other you guys that do it because what? We've discovered our purpose. I'm here to serve somebody. But then we celebrate. And that's what celebration looks like when you get around the team of people and you begin to do something for God. There's no greater joy than laying your head down in a pillow at night and saying, yo, I did something. Except if it's helping your friends move and they didn't pack anything. But that's another story. I don't want to live in chaos of comfort. And I want to value people, Chino. I want to go on the journey. The journey seems fun. It's crazy, it's chaotic, it's scary, but I want to go on this journey. I want to I, I, I be used by God. Like, yo, there's something inside. For some of us, yo, unfortunately, I'm not dumb. Some of us are going to continue to stay in the comfort. And some of us, we're going to continue not to value people. And you're just, oh, I don't, I don't want to touch them. I don't want to deal with them. I got my own problems. So do I. But for some of us, we're just going to stay there. But there's a group of us in here that I believe, watching online or here, that there's something spurring up inside of you that you're just like, yo, like, yo, I want to make a difference in somebody's life. Like, yo, I want to do something with this thing that God has given me. My story, the devil broke my back. He hurt me. I got the scars to prove it. But I'm going to make him pay for every single moment that I cried, for every tear that fell from my eye. I'm going to make him pay for this. And what happens is, for you, I want to tell you a story. Me and Ramses and Levi, my sons, we ended up going on a trip. I was speaking in Los Angeles. And they went with me. And it was just, I mean, it was a fun time. We got to hang out. We were having fun. Well, we got to this beach. And East Coast, we don't understand West Coast. Y'all got weird beaches. But I love it. It's amazing. Keep your eyes down, guys. But listen, I, I love the beaches because they got waves. Like, and I don't mean, like, if you're from Miami, we got, like, waves. Like, it's stuff that just, it just kind of, like, moves you, right? Like, this is it. Like, this is as much as you get right here. If you go to Savannah, you go to the beach or uh, Panama City, you, you know what I'm saying? You get the, shh. like, it's calm stuff. You know what I mean? Watch out for the sharks. But it's calm. It's like, bro, when you go, I mean, I, I should have brought a, a video to illustrate it. Yo, I'm talking about the waves will go, <laughs> Levi, he goes out to the waves and, like, He's like laughing and jumping and we would do like dunks because I'm telling you, they go sometimes up to 10 feet and they bring you up. But then if you catch that junk at the right moment, that junk slaps the heck out of your jaw. Bah! Remember, Levi ran. I don't want to do this no more, Poppy. Let's go. I want to go to In-N-Out. It's <laughs> like, relax. It's fine. It's good. I held your hand. I would do it. Man, yo, it's scary sometimes. Ramses is not as adventurous. In this specific moment, I was like, I just want to sit on the shore because I'm grown and I'm older and I just, I don't want to play no more. I just want to, I want to read a book or something. Like, I want to just, listen, I want to work on my message. And Ramses stands at the shore and he says, Papi, I don't want to go inside of you. You got to come with me. And I was like, yo, stop. Go. I'm like, Levi, go with him. Levi's trying to drag him. He doesn't want to go. He comes back. He's like, puppy, please, I don't want to go by myself. And in this moment, I'm like, yo, I'm being a bad dad. Like, I need to go in the water with him. But then I felt like, no, I need to teach him something because he needs to face his fears. And if I keep being the crutch, he's never going to go out there. Because we did it the day before, and, bro, we were out probably like a quarter mile, maybe half a mile. And it's still, the water's still like up to here. And we were like out there in the waves. But I said, you know what? I want him to learn. And the Lord dropped something in my spirit. He said, Chino, tell Levi to just go forward. And then Ramses is going to get so bored that he's going to go after Levi to help him because Le Ramses is a helper. Like he wants to help everybody. He always has an answer. He gets in trouble for giving the answer in class and for talking, which some of y'all don't look at my son that way. You talk in class too. You were the talker. But yo, I tell him, Levi, go. And Levi goes and he starts swimming in the water. And then Ramses, he's sitting there. He's like, Papi. I'm like, I'm doing grown folk people stuff. Like I don't want to go in there. 
And I just watched as Ramsey was like, Levi, you got to come. Like, Levi, you got to come. And I'm probably off camera right now. Levi, you got to come. And he just, Levi, stop. Oh, my God. He's like, and they were like surfers and stuff. We were at Malibu. And it was surfers and all type of stuff. And he just like, he just slowly itching and just slowly itching. Little by little, he continues to walk towards, the, to, towards Levi. And before you know it, I'm sitting there in the shore and I'm like, look at this guy. He's smiling, he's laughing, he's going up on the waves. Like, I mean, it was, it was fun. I decided to go out there with them. Yo, it was a hard moment for me to get out there. Like, the water had gotten deep and then it got in shallow. They had to actually fight their way through it. But it was the very reason that his brother was in the waves that actually got him out of his comfort zone that actually said there is value my brother needs me and he actually started to go on the journey even though it was hard it was deep he kept swimming I'm a grown man I'm a swimmer like I love the water but I was like yo I'm tired and yet my kids were out there having a blast Jesus is in the waves he's calling you to step out into the unknown He's calling you to go into the deep areas. He's calling you to go into the moments where the waves might crash over you. You don't know where you are. You don't know what's up or down. You're hitting rocks. You're coming back out. You might be bleeding. But I want you to understand that he's already at the waves. He's at the beginning in the shore with you, pushing you. But he's also on the other side. He's telling you, come to me. Because if you come to me, I'm going to remove the comfort that you so love. I'm going to show you the things that I value. And I'm going to put you on a journey to begin to go and to reach these things. For some of us, we're, I mean, scared is not even the word. For some of us, we're like, yeah, I just, I want to talk to people. I want to tell people about the gospel. I just don't know how to do that. Like, I, what, what do I say to them? How do I do that? You know, like, it just sounds weird. Like, walking up to somebody, hey, like, if you die today, where are you going to go? Heaven or hell? You're going to hell right now. Like, yo, what? I don't, what? I don't want to do that. That's weird. Thank you for admitting that you're scared. Because every Tuesday for the rest of the month of October, on Tuesday during prayer at 7 p.m. right here in this church, for those of you that have that desire, that you feel like, yo, I, I want to step out there. I want to train you. I want to teach you. I want to show you how to be able to do those things. We're going to be meeting here for prayer. And then I'm going to teach you a 10, 15 minute. I want to teach you a lesson that's going to help you. I want to give you some tips on how to be able to share your faith with your coworkers, with your family members, when you're at Walmart, how to be able to quiet your soul and listen to the Holy Spirit. And he's going to help you to do some stuff. You're going to fail at some stuff. You're going to make some dumb mistakes. Don't allow Satan to keep you in that dumb mistake. Last Sunday, I was preaching in a church and um, I remember that when I was talking to them, the Lord dropped this word diamond in my heart. And I was like, diamond? I'm like, okay, this is weird. So then I see the guy and the Lord's like, him diamond. And I'm like, and I, I don't really argue with the Lord. I just go with it. So I just walked up to him and I said, hey, you play as a sports guy. When you hear diamond, all I'm thinking about is baseball. I don't think about wedding ring, married, none of that. Joke. I'm just thinking baseball. So I go up to him, I'm like, you play baseball? No. <laughs> I said, do you coach? No. I'm like, do you do anything with sports? He looks down at his stomach and his body. And he says, come on, bro. <laughs> no. I said, I don't know what it is, man. I just feel like it's like a baseball diamond. And like, I see you at home plate. And I see you kind of like people who have left home and are far from God. I see him like, I see you bringing them back home. And I just see like this constant circle of you bringing people home. And I feel like God is actually going to use your story. And God is going to use your company I don't even know what you have but I think that there's resources and finances that are coming and God's going to give you the building the tools that you need to be able to bring men home and I said does that make sense I was like yo this is so dumb I said does that make sense he's like yeah I said what do you do bro you're not a coach you're not anything he's like I'm a men's home director I help drug addicts that leave home to come back home I thought I messed up I said diamond yo this is dumb but you know what was the kicker, the caveat? You know what was the most effective tool that I had? Not that I'm a preacher. Not that I read my Bible more than you. Not that I pray more than you. It's that I was obedient. Obedient. I said, God, I don't care what I look like. I'm stepping into this space. For some of us, man, we've been trying to do this business for so long. And God just wants you to be obedient. There's a ministry. There's a call over your life. Stop living in the comfort zone. Understand the value in people. Go on the journey of going. Because in that, 
God will start revealing you and using you in ways that you never imagined. The gang member, the broken guy who messed up and did so many bad things, yet the Lord is using me in ways that I could never imagine because I was obedient. I stepped into the waves because I knew he was there. And I want to let you know that he's in the waves. For some of us, that's scary because we're like, <laughs> I don't want to get in that waves. Come on Tuesday. I'm going to teach you how to get in the waves. I'm going to teach you how to maneuver and, and jump up when the waves go. I'm going to teach you where timing, all of that stuff. But for some of us, we feel like we're already in the waves. And we feel like it's crashing over us and we're doing backflips and we're just like, I want to come up for oxygen. But every time I, I come up, it feels like, boom, another thing comes and it's the bills and it's this person got sick. And now my boss has to lay me off and now he broke up with me. And I feel like it's just this constant back and forth where I feel like I'm under the waves. I want to give you good news. Jesus is in the waves. He brought you today because he has a word that he wants to share with you. Here's the words. I'm in the waves. It's Jesus that can rescue you from the pain that you're in. It's Jesus that can save you from the mess that you find yourself in. Before you ever step into a place where you're able to leave the 99 to go chase after the one, you have to acknowledge that you're the one. The reason why we created all of this thing was for you. We're training individuals and we're getting people, the 99, ready to be able to go out for the harvest. But the reason why I woke up in the morning, the reason why we wake up in the morning, the reason why we get together and we pray in that building across the street for you is because today is the day of salvation for your life. Though you feel like you're in the waves, though you feel like it's crashing all around you, whether you're in person or you're watching online, today I want to tell you that Jesus will rescue you, that he will save you. I need a hand, Tino. Yo, I feel like I'm drowning. I feel like that's me. And there's something inside of you. It's like a nervous thing that you're just like, oh my God, I feel like he's listening to me. Why is he talking to me? Who told him about me? Somebody shared my information. They told him, I didn't know anything. The Bible says that the spirit of God draws all men unto himself. So it's Jesus. How do I respond to this, Chino? How do I allow for him to pull me out of these waves? How do I get saved? How do I give my life to Jesus? It's simple. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 verse 9 that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, at that moment you shall be saved. It's not about you giving tithes to a church. It's not about you walking to an altar. It's not about you becoming a member at a church. It's about you shifting the position of your heart. I can help you with the prayer part, but you have to do the faith part. Would you do me a favor and would you close your eyes and bow your heads for just a second? Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. We hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us.